Thank you, my friend. Hey, everybody. Um, yeah, I mean, you might say foremost, children's worker. I think it's just I've done it too long. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I've got a real heart for seeing children and people get to know Jesus is. At the age of 14, I was sat behind a drum kit at Spring Harvest. And um, God really spoke to me about seeing hundreds of children get to know who Jesus is. So I was like, great. Uh, I didn't really understand what that meant until I was 18. And then uh, God spoke to me again about the same thing. And then a 10-year-old little boy asked me a question at the end of a lesson in his primary school. And the question was, why do you do what you do when I don't care? And that's kind of set me off on a journey for the last 20-something years. I started ministry when I was seven. Um, And so I've, you know, gone through uh, quite a lot. And and I love the way that God has just used me to be able to see children get to know who Jesus is, to help churches get to know who Jesus is. Um, That's what what my heart is. That's what I'm doing within the Diocese of Manchester now. Um, There's only 200 Church of England schools within the Diocese. And there's over 300 churches. So we're doing all right. You know, we're doing okay. But please, please, please do continue to pray for me. Uh, let's have a, So we're going to talk about family. Now, I'm aware that you all haven't had the upbringing I've had. All right? We've all had different upbringings within our families. And for sometimes when we hear the word family, it can set off alarm bells. It might set off this kind of unnerving feeling. It might set off this nice warm, cuddly feeling. All right. However we view family, it can be positive and it can be negative. All right. But in the context of today, I want us to remember this bit of scripture from Ephesians. It says this in the next slide. It says that God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. All right, God decided to adopt us. All right, and He brought us into this family by bringing us to Himself through what it was that Jesus did that we celebrated not that long ago. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. So, this is the context that I want us to think about family. All right, that God has adopted us into it. All right. Not that, you know, yes, we do have a choice, don't get me wrong. God is a God who gives us choice. But ultimately, he, he, through what it was that Jesus did, he chose to bring us into this family that we're part of. So whether your family is perfect and you've got the lovely privet hedge and it's all lovely and dandy, or maybe it is a little bit broken and your experience hasn't been what maybe you perceive the movies would say a, a family should be, let's just start with the fact that we've been adopted into Christ's family, into God's family. So today I want us to talk about being family, but then I also want us to talk about empowering. How do we go out and be that family? So let's find in our Bibles Deuteronomy 6. Um, it's quite easy when you scroll through U version because it's quite near the top. Uh, and if it, uh, Deuteronomy 6 is um, hopefully a bit of scripture that you might well know already. But um, this is the part in the Bible where God is giving out his commandments. He's giving a way of, for his people to live 
differently, to live in the way that he has called them to live. Not in Exodus. I am in Deuteronomy 6. Okay, so Deuteronomy 6. All right, God is sharing his commands with his people through Moses, and he says this in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home or when you walk along the road or when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Impress them on your children would suggest that we're going to think a bit more and I'm not going to be just the kind of kids pastor that says we should just have everything about children, all right? Um, but I actually want us to think about what does it mean to be family in the context of Deuteronomy 6. But first of all, let's talk about lions. Anybody like lions? One of the favourite parts of the Chester Zoo, but not as good as the elephants. But Christian the lion was born in 1969. The famous part about Christian the lion is he was not born into a normal place. He was actually living in Harrods. Because back in the 60s, you could buy animals, real live ones, not like the soft, cuddly ones that we see in Harrods now, real animals. And this one, Christian the lion, was bought by two people. John Randall... Let me just get their names right because I forgot that. Yeah, it was John Randall and it was Mr. Borg. All right. I can't remember. His, his, I haven't written down his name. But they bought this lion. Turn to the person next to you. How much do you reckon you'd pay for a lion in 1969? Have a guess. A thousand pounds. Okay. Higher or lower, anybody? We are talking about guineas, but I've, I, I, I've done the maths. Well. Google did the maths. Um, how much? How many? Like a thousand pounds. Anybody want to go higher than that or are you going to go lower than that? You'd go 200. Any advance on 200? 500. 100. Let me tell you, it would have cost you 250 guineas, which is 262 pounds and a certain amount of pence. All right. Not an awful lot for a lion, you might say, especially when you think about how much a mobile phone might cost these days. All right. And so in actual fact, they bought this lion and they took it back to their apartment, as you do, right? This nice little pussycat. But obviously, lions start to grow a bit faster than normal cats. And so it starts to get bigger and bigger. All right. They, they had, um, they, it got to the point where Christian was so big, they had to have his own space within their furniture shop, which was also called Sophisticat, in the basement, where he had free reign in the basement. And they had like the list of what they should do to look after Christian and how to care for it and how to love it and all of those kind of things. And they actually went up to a local church leader and said, hi. Could we let our lion run in your church grounds? Because they had big gates around this church in London. And the church leader went, yeah, of course you can. All right. And so Christian the lion, at the, uh, like by a year old, is quite big. 
but is loved, is cared for, is incredible. All right, and this love that these guys have for Christian goes beyond what some might say was healthy. But keep that image in your head of a lion walking around your house a year old. All right, living in the basement, playing with this lion. All right, keep that in your head because I want us to think about family. This is family. How does that fit with what we're going to talk about in the spheres of Berry? We're going to find out because I'm not sure yet either. But let's think about Deuteronomy 6. Impress these on your children. There's a couple of words in Hebrew that I want us to think about. Who knew they were going to learn Hebrew this morning? Uh, I didn't, uh, but we are. So the first word I'd like you to turn to the person next to you is and say Barith. Turn to the person next to you and say Barith. Very good. Okay, now Barith is the immediate family. It is, um, for me, it's me and my wife and my two children, and that is the immediate family. It's it's the real close-knit kind of part that we're born into. That's what the immediate family is. And in the context of the Bible, we have Exodus 12, which tells us all about this Passover moment. Okay, we all remember that bit from, um, from the DreamWorks uh, picture, picture all about Joseph, all right, or about Moses. It was great. But this is what it says in Exodus 12. When your children, so they're going through all of the rules of the Passover. When your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean, then tell them. So in the context of this meal where they're thinking about the Passover, what God did, which was an incredible thing. The smallest child will go, excuse me, why do we do this? Now, children do ask interesting questions at interesting moments, don't they? Like, why are we doing this? Or why are we here? We've been here a bit too long now. Can we go home from grandma and grandpa's now, please? Those types of conversations happen quite regularly. And actually, within this context, the the children ask the question, the parents... Then say, this is what God did. God did this. God meant that we could be where we are now. It tells the story of an active God. Not a passive God who's million, million miles away, but a God who is present and with them. Why do we do this? This is why. Because God is active. That's what Barith is all about. The immediate family. For Christian the lion, he's got an immediate family. The next picture will show you him, he went in cars, because that's what you do with your lion, all right? But it got to a point where he was a bit too, unru- he was getting a bit too big. And so um, they got in touch with a guy called, let me find his name as well, George Adamson. Now George Adamson was a conservationist, he was a guy who was working with Born Free. And obviously, Randall and Bork, they were a bit like, well, is it really good for us to keep a lion in London? Probably not. Not many people are going to get on the tube with us. But it would be a talking point, wouldn't it? But in actual fact, they kind of take Christian and George Adamson comes and talks to them and says, look, do you know what? Maybe we could set Christian free. Maybe we can fly him over... I'm not sure how much luggage cost is for a lion. But we'll fly him over and we'll set him 
free. And Randall and Bork go, do you know what? This has been quite a crazy ride. I don't really want to let go of this lion right now. But maybe he needs to be with his people, his lions. And so from this immediate family, they have a choice to make. And they set Christian free to socialize, to be with other lions. And George Adamson is living out there and he tracks where Christian is. But from the moment he gets on the plane, those two guys in that picture, they never see him again. Now for some of us with our families, that might be quite good not to see them again. But for others, for, you know, actually, love runs quite deep. The second word for in Hebrew uh, that I want us to think about today, and this sounds like a, an ev- a bad guy off uh, some kind of Marvel film, Mishpakor. Three, two, one, turn to person next to you. Mishpakor. Mishpakor. Doesn't it sound like a really cool, right? So Mishpakor is this, is faith community. It's us together. It's us growing and sharing and being family. It's having lunch together afterwards. It's mishpakor. It's this kind of community of faith. And in the context of Deuteronomy 6, this is the word that we find when it talks about impress these commandments on your children. So this isn't a bit of scripture in Deuteronomy 6 just to make parents feel guilty or grandparents to feel guilty that they haven't passed on their faith. This is for the whole of the community the faith community that children may find themselves in, that families find themselves in, and it's our responsibility to pass this on, to share our faith with children in a way that is active, in a way that is like God is real. He does stuff today. It isn't just about what he did a million miles of years ago, but it's about now. This is what God does within family now. I grew up in a church where we had all age every week. All right, there was no separate children's work. Children's and youth work happened during the week. We had everybody together. And in many ways, it defined a lot of who I became. Not because of my parents, and they were, they're great people, my parents, uh, and they helped me to understand a bit more about Jesus. But in actual fact, it was the people in the community of faith that I was part of that really encouraged me, that got alongside me. There was a guy called Ian who was the church warden at the time and he came alongside me every single week and said, Hey Rick, how are you? Hey Rick, what can I be praying for today? What can I do? What can I and that for me is family. People coming alongside and saying, Are you okay? You know, because as a child, as a young person, I didn't always want to talk to my parents. I'll be honest. You know, there's even times now when I see the FaceTime come up and I go, oh, no, not right now. But in actual fact, to have that other place of family within the context of faith is really great. Even though it might feel like, oh, well, I'm not so sure. Because for us as a faith community, we have an equal responsibility to pass on faith to the next generation. 
But how do we do that? Well, I've got three things for you that are really quite easy for us to pick up. And we're not just thinking about in these four walls, we're also going to think about out there. Because remember, we're thinking about being, but we're also thinking about empowering, going out and being family out there. So the first one is really simple. Prayer. Nothing happens. We've said it already. Sai's already said it. Nothing happens without prayer. We, we need to be praying for the children and the young people who are in that room there and in this space here now. As a community, as a faith who I believe that God can do great things through children and young people and through us, let's pray. My youth leader, uh, Phil, um, he decided that he would take a picture of each of us on a Polaroid camera. Okay, and he would take a picture of us, and uh, and then he'd write my write our names underneath. Now he picked the name that my parents had put on my registration form. Richard. No one knows me as Richard unless I'm in trouble. And so uh, on it was written Richard, and then he encouraged the church to say, "Look, we would love you to pray for our young people." So at the back of church is a picture and I want you just to pick one up as you leave and I want you to I encourage you just to pray for that person on it and so we did all these people took these pictures about 10 years later a lady talks to my dad who at that point was the church warden of the church and says hi um do you know who this is and picks out this rather battered polaroid picture of a guy who looks nothing like he did then called Richard And my dad said, do you know what? That's my son. She said, oh, wow, that's amazing. What is he doing now? And he'll go, he said, well, you'll never guess what. In actual fact, Rick, he is now doing school's work in North Manchester, talking to children about Jesus all the time. Eileen starts to cry because she didn't even know that I was still part of the church community or anything like that. And then my dad starts to cry because when my dad met Jesus, he became a watering can from his eyes. All right, he just became this, you know, beautiful human being. Not that he wasn't beautiful, but he was a hardened police officer before that. And so he, he just, they both started to have this beautiful Holy Spirit moment where this lady had prayed for her husband, for her husband, for her son, for his son, for 10 years solid, just saying, God, may he see your kingdom come. May you do what you need to do through his life. So the key thing I would love us to do is let's start to pray, not just for the people in, for the children and people in this church or part of this church community, but also those that live next door to you or live on your roads. Okay? Don't just walk up to them, by the way, safeguarding moment. Don't just walk up to a child in the street and go, hello, what's your name? That doesn't go down very well. All I would say is, Try and work out. You'll hear them being shouted across the street, all right? Or maybe you get to know who they are and maybe you get to know their parents a little bit and go, hey, what's your name? You don't need to say, by the way, we're going to pray for your child. You know, let's just start to see. If we want to see the spheres change in family around this area, we need to start praying into it. That's the first thing. The second thing is to encourage all right. When you see a child or a young person in the church, say hi. Encourage them. It's so good to have you here with us. And I know this already happens. But when we get encouraged, we go, oh, 
people know who I am. And actually, if we start to learn their names, that's even better. Because then it becomes something that they can go, oh, you know my, how do you know my name? And at the start, they might be a little bit like, hmm, why do you know my name? But actually, the more that you say, hi, how are you doing? How's your week been? And start to encourage them a little bit. They'll go, brilliant. That Oh, that person cares for me. That's amazing. Equally, for those of us who are out there, and maybe we're in the school playground or wherever it might be, connecting with another family and going, how's things? Because it's not always that easy. It can be tough. You know, for those of us who maybe we haven't got children around us right now, maybe they've grown up or whatever it is, how can we just kind of encourage a little bit of what's going on around our community with children and young people? There's, there's, there's ways that we can do that that will hopefully help. One, you know, I just, I just want to champion children and young people. I just want to say, you're doing great. Or even encouraging the parents going, look, even in, you know, sometimes children have meltdowns in the middle of any shop. All right? If you're there going, it's okay. It's all right. Don't worry about it. If they've lost their child in the middle, in the middle aisle of Aldi, you know, because they've dived into the soft toys or whatever it might be, just go, it's okay. Don't worry about it. We can help. You know, let's encourage those connections that are, done in the right way, all right? Let's not be kind of um, weird about it all. But then the final one I'd love to kind of challenge us a little bit on is around serving. How could we serve the children and the young people within this church and also in our community? Are there opportunities for us to do that? Okay? Because and I'm not saying that, I'm not, you know, I, I spoke to Shannon the other week. I'm not doing this as a kind of a plug just to get more people on the children's team, though that would be great. All right. But actually getting alongside them and serving them and going, how you could come along and help me do this. Why don't you help me do the sound desk? Why don't you help me do the, do the PowerPoint? Whatever it might be, to serve with them actually helps us then to pass on our faith. You know, that's within this context. Out there, where are there opportunities that we could serve children and young people? Could we volunteer for something that's going to mean that that, could, that group could continue? Could we start to think about, well, there's this, I've, I've, I've walked past, you know, there's a school nearby, there's a, there's a church, there's a summer fair on. What could I do to encourage that? How could I help alongside that? What could I do that would kind of help children and young people to understand more about who you Because that's what family is. That's what Mishpachor is all about. So let's pray. Let's encourage and let's serve. Because in Deuteronomy 6, it wasn't just to impress them and then let them crack on. It was we write them down. It's when we lie down. It's when we walk. It's an active thing. It's not a passive thing thing because we serve an active God not a passive one Christian the lion has grown up Randall and Bork haven't seen him and then they get a phone call an opportunity for a reunion but Christian's wild now what is going to happen next? Because in the community of Mishpachor, is there always going to be a space for us to come home? 
Let's watch the video clip. Thank you. How cool is that? There was that moment where I, 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 I've watched that many times, but I do love the idea that maybe he's coming down going, hmm, Sunday lunch looks good. <laughs> but no, he is greeted in that moment of, of, of family where he wraps his arms around them as a lion, right? It's, it's an incredible moment. And for us in a faith community, what does that mean? That means that actually, yes, we have those barith where we are family, the immediate family, but we have mishpakor where we are the church family, where we welcome back even those that maybe have gone into the wild and they're not sure or whatever it might be. That's the joy of having things like Alpha and different things like that that we can invite people into. But in the context of family, being who we are, is really key, you know, and there's always those kind of, um, you know, things within family that seem a little bit weird to everybody else, all right, every family has, every family has these weird things, all right, but equally, I want to be part of a family of a community of faith that welcomes in, and even though people might have gone away, I want to be a person who wants to empower everybody to go and to be family with others on our streets, others in our playgrounds, in our swimming clubs, in our scouts, cubs, whatever activities we're part of. How do we become family? We pray, we encourage, and we serve.